everybody, this is Shark Bait, and this is Shark Bait's Chumline Podcast for Friday, July 12th, 2013. On today's podcast, we will end and continue our conversation with Jeanette Mundus, the widow of famed shark fisherman Frank Mundus, and as we'll talk more today, find out about Frank Mundus, the conservationist. Um, also on the show today, we'll go over the uh, shark's eye no-kill shark tournament out in Montauk on July 27th, 28th. Go over some of the uh, festivities are going on. Um, and we're going to... Uh, I guess we can probably just go into this now. Um, there's supposed to be the change to the Magnuson-Stevens Act and it uh, affected the Shark Conservation Act of 2010. Originally, it was supposed to be July 8th was when the comments on this had to be due, but they're now being extended to July 31st, 2013. And this is um, the proposed rule change where the federal government is looking to see whether or not the states uh, involved here, most of these are going to be the coastal states along the uh, Pacific side, on the west coast of the United States, and the eastern seaboard along the Atlantic, whether or not the states have the right to control um, some of the the shark fin trade and how it that may be overreaching by the states and how that might imp- and it's not just for sharks here the federal government I guess is getting involved because if states can now make rules for sharks they could make rules for other fish and I guess the federal government is worried that this could just lead to states just having their own fisheries uh, so that's my take on it. Uh, if I'm wrong, let me know, um, those of you in the know. But that's what I think is happening. I think that's what the debate is all about. But I will have links up there for you to decide for yourself. Um, of course, last night, oh, such fun, Sharknado. Um, I, I want to say it was a wasted two hours of my life. But uh, I don't know. It was. Uh, it had its some qualities in there. Um, I don't, I don't want to... Uh, ruin it for anybody if you're planning on ever seeing it but I think it's worth it just for the uh, there's a little bit of a, a shark story about how someone got a shark scar and uh, having been a shark attack survivor myself it was like I kept waiting almost the full two hours for it to be explained and when they finally did it was a very blatant ripoff of the uh, USS Indianapolis story that was used in Jaws almost you know line for line um, I was kind of expecting the whole thing to uh end with, uh, I'll never put a life jacket on again. Uh, but also, just just for the final scene, it's just, oh, so great. With the shark and uh, the chainsaw, it's that's worth the price of admission of cable TV, just to see that. However, I, I would not put this up there with the infamous Shark Attack 3, or uh, whichever one that Debbie Gibson, or Deborah Gibson was in. The Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, I believe. And then last year's Jersey Shore, Shore Shark Attack, if you were looking for a good laugh, one that does not take itself too seriously, I, I would recommend that one. So, okay, without further ado, we will continue our conversation with Jeanette Mundus. You know, I found that many people, they still don't, they still see Frank as the monster hunter um, and as the, the, the character of Quint from Jaws. Um, and not many people were aware of, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say the, he did a 180, but maybe you can correct me, as far as the conservation that he got into. Um, 
Can you talk a little bit about that, about how he started to kind of change his view on sharks? Um, yeah, he, he was always into conservation, even though people didn't credit it, you know, him with it. Um, back in the 1960s, he was instrumental in helping getting the shark tagging program started with Jack Casey. And um, in later years, he was trying to discourage fishermen from using J-hooks, which can snag in a shark's stomach. And he wanted to promote circle hooks only because they tend to catch in the shark's mouth so that if you wish to catch and release the fish, you can do so mm. without harming it. So he was a big proponent of circle hooks for many years, for as long as I knew him. Yeah, that, it's a shame that not many people know about that. Like I've, I've found from yeah, ever since I got to know him, and you know, he would tell me stories, and he was telling me about circle hooks. That a lot of people just see him as basically the character of Quint. And you know, sometimes when I bring up you know his name, people are like, oh, all he did was just kill all the sharks. And that's the reasons they're not here anymore. And, it's, you know, it's kind of sad that that's, you know, the way he's seen. Um, yeah, because uh, with the, it's the longliners that have uh, fished out the oceans, you know, and Frank always said that, uh, you know, they catch huge volumes of sharks, whereas sport fishermen couldn't, you know, couldn't catch on that kind of a scale. Right. But, yeah, but he, you know, he did tag sharks uh, over the years. He used to tag quite a few of them and get returns on the tags to find out where they'd been and everything. So he didn't just kill everything. He he did um, take part in catch and release. And he also, I just found this out through a, uh, a scientist at Stony Brook University here on Long Island, that he would actually donate a lot of the uh, the carcasses that he would catch back in the 60s and 70s, I guess, to Woods Hole. And that a lot of the data that they have about shark, great whites in particular, the aging and such, came from the donations from Frank. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and also when he caught that big fish in 86, the 3427 white shark, he allowed the scientists to dissect that fish completely so that they could, uh, you know, find out how, you know, um, more details about it. Right. And that was kind of like that was that was the uh, the Braddock catch, right? The Donny Braddock shark. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, do you ever get like people I got to know him? Um, like it's, I I want to say he's two different personalities, but I guess he was definitely a showman, and I think it's another thing that people don't realize. Um, like when I got to know him, he was great. Like you, you know, almost like how you kind of started up a conversation with him. He, he would sit down and I would talk to him and he would be, you know, gracious and ask, answer any questions I had about sharks. However, as soon as there was someone else, especially someone who just had a, a passing curiosity about who he was, because at the time when I got to know him, he was behind uh, the Riverhead Aquarium. And not many people really knew who he was, even though there's a big sign saying who he was. So I always thought it was kind of funny. I'd be talking to him, and as soon as there'd be someone who didn't really know, he would turn on that character, and he <laughs> was so funny. It, I, I, I don't know how you were able to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was the funniest, most humorous person I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, he he was very funny and. He had a whole encyclopedia of jokes. You would just name certain categories, and he'd come <laughs> up with jokes. And yeah, he, he's a very funny person. 
Uh, on the boat, though, he was serious when it came to fishing. You know, he could switch off the, the humor, you know, to, you know, focus on what had to be done. Right. But uh, the rest of the time, he was a very funny person. Oh, I had a great time. And like I said, it, it was just funny, especially to a, to someone who didn't really know sharks or know, you know, they'd be looking at some of those pictures and, you know, they'd say, wait, oh, this this is the boat that you caught that shark in? And no, no, it was a rowboat. It just it makes it look bigger. Oh, okay. And they would have no idea that he was poking at them. And I know, I guess that's where he got the term the idiots from, huh? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I still have the idiot magnet of his hanging in the living room. So. <laughs> what was that? In, what was the idiot magnet? Oh, that was a thing he claimed drew all the crazy people to him. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things I was wondering. Um, when I did the charter with him, he had an old seat he used to sit on that he would basically carve out the the trips he went on or sharks he caught. Did that go with the sale of the cricket or was that something you have or you know other members okay, of the family yeah. may have? No, what happened? He, he sent it back to me that summer. He put it in the mail and sent it back here to Hawaii. He said he wanted, he liked to keep it and not leave it anywhere. He, okay. Every time he went to New York, he would bring it back. So it arrived in the mail ahead of him. <laughs> okay, good. You, you still have it then? Yeah. Okay, I've always wondered what, where, whatever happened to that. Um,. Yeah, he didn't like to leave too many things in New York because he figured he'd never see them again. So he, he, he was very meticulous about that. Um, now, one of the things you're doing now, um, and it's kind of related to Jaws in a way, is I guess there was a, a chaplain named Tom Conway on the uh, USS Indianapolis. Now, what are you doing with that? Yes. Uh, I read about the move to try and have him awarded the uh, Navy Cross, and there's various people who are trying to pursue this. And I looked online, I noticed that there wasn't any petitions at the moment, so I thought, well, I'll start a petition, and maybe several other people might. So uh, a friend of mine signed, and I know you signed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, every little bit helps. And uh, one of my friends, Dawn, who signed it, she said something quite eloquent when she signed the petition. I think it's it's on there if people can look. Uh, she said, quote, not all heroes carry guns. And she's talking about uh, Father Conway. She says his unrelenting services and sacrifice to his shipmates should be acknowledged. So just because and he just because he wasn't a warrior, he was still a chaplain who gave comfort right. to his comrades during the disaster and even when the boat was in action during uh, battles. Okay. Now, I know you said... Uh, so he was quite deserving, and he, you know, he gave his life. He was completely, utterly exhausted, but he continued. I guess people can sign the petition through your, uh, the web link, correct? So I can put that up there, and people can uh, take a look at that and sign your petition. Yes. Okay. Yes, they can, yeah. So thank you very much for answering these questions. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and it seems like they actually are with that um, no-kill shark tournament. I had uh, mentioned to one of the people who are coordinating it um, that I was probably going to say a few words about Frank if I do make it to the um, to the event. And there's a press release, I guess, going out tomorrow. And they're it's kind of like they're kind of using – 
almost what I was going to do. The uh, Frank as a basis for the whole thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, let me just, I mean, it's, let me see real quick if I can call it up. Because Frank had always wanted to, in fact, a few years earlier, he was actively trying to pursue that line of a catch and release circle hook only tournament. And he had told his idea to several people. The newest, um, this is, I guess, going out tomorrow. And it's just, yeah, I'll just read you the first part here. 58 years of sports fishing in Montauk takes the ultimate turn, saving sharks. Historic satellite tag tournaments on July 27th and 28th unites fishermen, scientists, conservationists, educators, musicians, and artists. And then in 1955, a 30-year-old Frank Mundus settled in Montauk and started taking people shark fishing. Nobody paid much attention to him. Sharks are a nuisance fish. Then Mundus harpooned a 4,500-pound great white and not got everybody's attention, including a writer named Peter Benchley. Jaws was released in 1974, and suddenly everyone wanted to come to Montauk to go monster fishing for sharks, and big money tournaments started to take hold. And then they kind of talk about the plight of sharks, I guess. So, so it's you know this is going out tomorrow, so it, you know Frank is still in the news, and hopefully this will uh, help spread the the word that you know he was, he was into conservation as well, that he wasn't just the the character of Quint in the in the book in the movie. Right. When he was in Montauk, he would hand out free circle hooks to fishermen in order to try and dissuade them from using the cheaper hooks that harm the sharks. Okay. I'll have to bring that up if I if I make the the event. Okay. Well, again, I really appreciate you sitting down and, and doing this, and you know, it's it's a pleasure talking to you. And you know, I've emailed you you know a few times over the years, and it's great to finally hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about Frank. Thank you. No, no problem. And, you know, anytime you want to, you know, think of other stories or, or something, you know, don't don't bother to hesitate to call me. And you know, I, I enjoyed talking to him, and you know, he was he was very gracious to to talk to me, and I, I considered it was you know an honor for me to to have just a few sessions where I got to talk to him that summer. So. In fact, the reason he was at the aquarium was he was trying to sell the boat. Uh, someone at the aquarium had expressed an interest in it, one of the owners. And so he had stayed there to uh, see what would happen. But uh, at the end of his stint there, um, there was really a lack of interest in the boat. So, um, huh. Yeah, um, it was one of those things where it's like I'm sure if I called up enough of my friends from college, <laughs> we would have had 30 people all chipping in to, to buy a portion of the boat. It might have made a good research vessel if it was renovated. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jenny. I appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time here. Okay, thanks. Thank okay. Thank you, okay. Jenny. All right, bye. bye. Okay. That was our interview with Jeanette Mundus. Uh, I want to thank her immensely for uh, taking the time to sit down for me. It was kind of a, a long process there to try to figure out uh, some logistics of, uh, it wasn't really that difficult, but you know, being in New York and she's in Hawaii, uh, a little bit of a, a time exchange there when we could uh, both fit it into our schedules. But it worked out and I thank her immensely for all the information. Um, perhaps we can have her on again uh, if people enjoy it. Um, okay, the last thing I talk about here is the uh, the Shark's Eye uh, fishing tournament. Um, 
kind of told you about what they're going to be doing. It's going to be a no-kill uh, tournament, but they have some of the other things up here as far as uh, the festivities. Uh, and it kind of starts on Friday the 26th. Um, from 2 to 4, they're going to be talking um, Greg Skomal, Nancy Kohler, and the Paxton brothers. They're going to be doing best practices on how to handle and tag the sharks and training all the observers. Um, 4 to 5, there's going to be cocktail party where Carl Derenberg explain how the tournament rules and give out the captain's bags. Um, each bag will have a box of 50, number 150 circle hooks, uh, shark and string tags. Uh, the next day... No, no, still same day, sorry, 6 p.m. is <laughs> the captain's meeting to go over the rules and regulations. The next day, Saturday the 27th, from 12 to 5, you're going to have films hosted by the Gary Harvey Foundation. Um, the film's going to be This Is Your Ocean, Sharks, and also The Tiger Shark Express. It's a new documentary about private uh, lives of tiger sharks. The Paxton Brothers are going to be showing their sustainable fisheries, um, and it looks like Nancy Kohler from the National Marine Fisheries Service will also be there. Um, Kenny Grimshaw of RealJaws.com is one of the world's leading experts on great white sharks in their natural environment. Uh, Captain Grimshaw's one-hour American Sportsman DVD lecture presentation is highly entertaining and very informative. Uh, and Stephanie Whiston is going to talk about underwater photography and techniques in her travels. And of course, during all this is when uh, the actual fishing is going on as well, but we pick it up the next day on Sunday, the 28th. And these are from 12 to 5. You can have the Riverhead Foundation. We're going to be talking about tagging whales, seals, and sea turtles and encounters with sharks. The Peconic Baykeeper is going to be there to talk about water quality and how the pollutants that go into the water wind up in the fish we eat, like makos and the threshers. The Sag Harbor Whaling Museum will be there to talk about why sharks will wind up in a museum unless we stop, step in and help them now. Scott Curatola Wagaman, which would be me. Um, hopefully I'll be there to talk about my uh, my shark incident, a little bit, bit about Frank Mundus, and a small little talk about uh, the need to, to help sharks. Uh, the Shark Brothers, Brooks and Sean Paxson, and we talk about Montauk lore, the status of sharks, the importance of sharks in the ecosystem, shark reproduction, best practices, circle hooks, and from fear to fascination. Uh, they already mentioned Nancy Kohler of National Marine Fisheries will be available to answer questions and has kid-friendly items. Kenny Grimshaw, Captain Grimshaw is going to be on hand again about uh, great white sharks and natural environment. And uh, Stephanie Whitson, who will also be there about underwater photography and techniques and travels. Okay, that's it. That's for the it for the podcast today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, hopefully, uh, if you want to, if you're in the area, come down to the the tournament on Sunday. Um, if I'm there, stop by, say hi. Uh, I'd like to see who my audience is, but as always with uh, audiences, uh, you know how to get me here. Um, so you know, just use your normal things. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Search for Shark Bait in the Podcasts. Uh, check out all the resources for this on the blog at www. Uh, trying to think of what I did. I know I changed some things around. Uh, the blog is www.sharkb8chumline.blogspot.com You can also check out the other um, website, which is www.sharkbaitpodcast.com uh, uh, You can follow me on Twitter at sharkbhum. 
like me on Facebook, just do a search for Shark Page Chumline. And again, emails, emails, emails. I like getting emails. We don't get enough emails, at least not important ones anyway. Get the same, somehow the spam always finds you. So shoot me an email at sharkbait at sharkbaitpod.com. Okay, that's it. Next week, I think we're going to have another talk about JAWS. Uh, we'll be talking to a high school science teacher. Um, see what his thoughts are and why he, uh, why he loves JAWS, how it's affected him, and maybe see uh, what the kids of today are learning. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully see you next week. And Mr. Finn, what do you got to say? Shucks, that's awesome.